Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory, a podcast from the Business Centre where we talk about all things small business. Welcome to today's podcast on business disruption. This episode is on innovation. My name is Steve Waite. I'll be your host today for today's Business Big Bang Theory podcast. For those of you who don't know who the Business Centre is, we're a not-for-profit with 35-year history of helping small business people through providing business advice and practical education in collaboration with industry experts and partnerships with local, state and federal governments and small business programs. Now, our expert guest today is our esteemed author, broadcaster, innovation speaker and former host of the ABC's New Inventors, James O'Loughlin. Good to have you today, James. Hello, Steve. Very nice to be here. Now, James, after the New Inventors, uh, you put your mind to trying to capture the crystallization of what is innovation, how do we innovate, can anyone innovate? Mm. And I note in the preface of your lovely book that I've read over my holidays in Yamba that innovation is a, is a state of mind, is the name of your book, and in your preface you talk to that particular point. You say, after the new inventors had been running for a few years, I thought I'd worked it out. <laughs> innovation, that is, uh, you quizzed us further. I said, you say, how were innovators different from the rest of us? with all those people that you saw in those 300 shows. And as far as I could tell, you concluded, the answer was that they weren't any different to us. And over the years, you've worked with thousands of people and organisations and companies on helping them define innovation, implement ways of harnessing it and enacting it, but but I guess also navigating the commercialisation journey of building a new mm. product or a service or a system instead of the idea just being a thought bubble, yeah. execution of the idea. It's, it's easy to have an idea, harder to execute and test it. So we'd like to thank you for being part of our little series today. One of the first questions we always ask people at this time when we've come up with this idea of a disruption uh, podcast and a discussion is is to talk to how have, how have you dealt with this whole show, this, mm. this thing? How's it impacted on you and your life, your work, your, the way that yeah. you think? Well, in a number of ways. I guess the first professionally in that I spend a lot of my time working with organisations and helping them become more innovative, speaking at conferences, emceeing conferences. And I think it was about March the 20th mm. where you just look at your diary. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> None of them were cancelled. They were all indefinitely postponed. Yes. Uh, and some of them have subsequently happened and some of them will happen mm. next year. But my diary completely emptied within the space of about three days. And yeah. like I, I, I'm also a writer and I was working mm. on a book at the time and I was also working on developing mm. one of my books into a TV show and that was work yeah. that I could continue to do on my own. Yeah. So like lots of people, we struggled mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And for me in the, you know, uh, events and working with companies, mm. I've now done some things from about June or July, mm -hmm. been managing to do things virtually, mm. a couple of live events. Yeah, you were talking about those last night. So they're a combination or a hybrid type of hybrid Just tell us a bit about that technology and what that looks like. Yeah, so what we had it in a, uh, the first one I did was mm. 50 people in a 200-seat room, so mm -hmm. they were all socially distanced, mm. and an audience online and it was a showcase event so uh it was run by it was run by a, an event company and a and a, uh, and a and a speakers bureau in mm -hmm. conjunction and they do these things every year or so but normally live mm. and normally live you get a couple of hundred to come yep. they had 1200 wow wow 50 in the room mm. and 1150 mm. online and i guess what it showed and subsequent experience of doing similar events has borne this out is that 
there are certainly the potential of much bigger audiences mm. in either virtual or hybrid events mm. and mm. conferences. I mean, networking and the social yeah. side are great, yeah. Yeah. but it also takes an enormous commitment. Yeah. And what you can do is run conferences now where you still have that sense of all being mm-hmm. at a live event together. Yeah. Uh, but it enables people who don't want to travel from Brisbane to Melbourne mm. or mm. Sydney to the Gold Coast or whatever to yeah. get the benefit of it without that <laughs> going anywhere and a lot cheaper too. You don't yeah, have to, yeah. indeed. So I think that could be the way of the future. Okay. Well, I was, I was, I was intrigued to hear how that continuity has, uh, has been able to be found in, mm. in, in society and in conducting business. I think people have found their way and, and uh, you know. But the, but the other thing I want to mention is the personal mm. side of it. And I know people have had different experiences, but I've had a number of people say to me, mm. which echoes my own experience, mm. uh, you know, everyone was at home mm. and the kids didn't have to be ferried around mm. everywhere mm. and mm. it's kind of a nice a gift of time yeah, going back to us. Yeah, we kind of bonded. Yeah. So I hope a lot of people, yeah. you know, found that silver lining. Let's talk all things small business. For some practical advice and direction, DM us on Facebook or Instagram at The Business Centre. Well, let's let's have a little bit of a conversation and I've, I've spoken to you about three themes. Um, so the theme for the conversation on innovation is this. The, 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 the three are the around ideation innovation with a particular focus around disruption and, and the danger and opportunity for innovators and indeed the process for innovation. Mm. And... The, the Eastern philosophy concept of Y Che, that, that crisis of itself presents danger, but it also presents opportunity. So that's the first theme I'd like us to sort of touch on. The second is more around theory. And I know you've got a, a particular take on theory has its place, but you need practice as well. But I think Shuntirian theory and the theory of disruption has, has been well-researched and has been with us for a while. So I'd mm. like to allow us to touch a little bit on theory and understand a little bit about innovation and theory. And things like um, early rents can be taken by an idea at its, at its early point. And then the, the last theme is around user experience and design. You know, the, the, the architectural movements where they'll build a, a, a place and they won't put in the pathways or the utilities until people basically show them the way to go from building A to B, mm. which is inevitably what happens. So that's right. how we go. We've done the first question. So I want you to think about this concept of danger and opportunity and just reflect on your experiences, how people have responded. And I note with um, the new inventors and some of the examples that you quote, so many of the best ideas are essentially a response to something that's immediate, that's proximity, Mm. whether it be a danger or whether it be um, an opportunity to improve something. So what are your thoughts around that principle or that thing? Yeah, that's a a great point, danger and opportunity being two sides of the Mm. same coin. Often I say to people, there's always a a risk in innovating because Mm. most ideas fail. Mm. But you only get to the ones that succeed if you're prepared Mm. to go through three or four or five that fail. And those that succeed Mm. will make a measurable difference to your business, it'll make it better mm-hmm. and will probably pay for all the failures. Mm. Uh, what is the risk in not doing anything? What is the risk in saying, okay, here we are in 220 and our business is going well mm. and I'm pretty content with that. Uh, is that going to be good enough in 2022? Is that going to be good enough in 2024? Now, maybe if we were in the 1700s, it would be because things change pretty slowly mm. then and if you made boots the same way as your grandfather did, you yeah. They'd hold you in You'd good stead. You'd probably be going, well, yeah. or grandmother. Uh, 
But now change is so rapid. Mm. There's so many examples. Cutting edge in 2016 is not cutting edge now. Mm. So I think what sometimes people do is they overestimate the risk of a specific course of innovative action and they underestimate the risk of not doing anything. And there's certainly a short-term benefit in not doing anything. You save money this month, mm. but there is a long-term cost in that you are promoting the idea that the way you do things now will be fine forever. Mm. And this, we, just, we all know that's not the case. Think about how many things that you do now, you did the same way in 2010 or even 2015. Mm -hmm. Things move on very rapidly. And you can look at that in a personal way too. Like people said to me, um, you know, it was pretty risky, wasn't it, becoming a stand-up comedian or going into the media? Yeah. And I say, yeah, but... Look at the risks of not doing it. And the risk of not doing it is that I have a job I didn't really like. And mm -hmm. one day when I was old, I'd think I'd hate myself mm. for not having a crack. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I, I know it's different when you're yeah. talking about businesses and people's livelihoods, but mm. yeah, we, we need to keep innovating to stay relevant. Mm. And therefore, uh, the risk of not doing that is high so and I'd, often underestimated. Let me just sort of drill into your mind a bit because you've got some really wonderful examples you've gathered over the years and 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 there's one behavioral one that 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 i've recently heard you talk to in regard to holland and yes. and the way an innovation can be achieved by a simple change in behavior across a community and a society so do you want to touch on yeah that that's right uh one of the things when i talk is that good intentions by themselves don't do anything. It's mm. really easy to walk out of a conference and say, yeah, I'm going to do all that stuff mm. and get back and you got 86 emails. Um, I have good intent. I ride a bike and the thing I'm in Sydney mm -hmm. and the thing I'm terrified about mm -hmm. is someone, this is the most dangerous thing about riding a bike in a, in a city, mm. uh, is someone parking their car and opening the driver's side door mm. and you're five metres away going 40 kilometres an hour and there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. You can either swerve in the middle of the road, get hit by the car behind you, or yes. you can drive into the door. Yeah. And people are injured by that yeah. happening very regularly, sometimes severely. Yeah. So when I drive my car, I have good intentions. I'm a cyclist. I yes. think I'm not going to do it. Empathy. But I forget. Like I'm busy and I park the car and I get out and I geez, I could have killed someone yeah. because I didn't look. Luckily, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. So in Holland, they had this problem and this big bicycling culture. And instead of saying, do this, do this, do this, but not putting any system in place, mm. all they did was say, there's a rule now, you've got to open your driver's side door with your left hand. So just think about that and maybe if you can, mm. mime it. When mm. If you open your driver's side door with your left hand, your mm. far hand, mm -hmm. you turn your body and it's impossible not to see behind you. Mm. So that simple behavioural change, mm. that simple... Uh, system mm. that everyone has to do mm. means that they don't have to think about cyclists, they don't have to care about cyclists, mm. but they're automatically going to know if one's there and mm. they can, you know, decide not to open the door till the cyclist mm. has passed. Yeah. Um, the relationship to innovation is this. It's mm. all very well for me to fire people up for an hour and say, you should be more innovative. Think about innovation all the day. Mm. But the most important thing I tell them is this, do it for five minutes a day. Make it a rule. Yeah. And if you make something a rule, like yeah. cleaning your teeth, yeah. like you never forget to clean your teeth because it's a rule, it's a habit, it's yeah. ingrained. If you make thinking about how to improve your business yeah. a part of your daily routine, yeah. then you don't have to worry about, should I do it today? Am I too tired? It's just a rule. You just do it. Yeah. 
Okay, so and in your book you actually provide a guide and checklist. You make it quite practical for people to implement because one of the things we've spoken about in the past is, and, and we were talking about this yesterday, uh, you know, this innovationism where it became a catch cry, became a, a word, it became a, a thing that was used for almost anything. Yeah. And I think it was biased in some ways to the fast-moving tech uh, industry yes, about definitely. that was the only place where innovation was possible. So I think your insights to embedding it in people's day-to-day lives in the, in the way that they do their work and actually uh, having a way of allowing people, almost you know, releasing them to think differently and say, as you mentioned, you know, failure is part of the process. And we were talking also yesterday about the creative process. So, you know, do, do you see that? Is that what you see when you get around working with companies, working with organisations, that, that, that people are still fearful of the failure part of this whole innovation methodology or framework? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I'm just going back to what you said earlier, I'm mm. really confused when you're reading the paper. Australia spent $28 billion on innovation, <laughs> up 3% from Full like, stop. <laughs> you know, innovation is just looking at what you do and trying to think of a way mm. of doing it better. Most innovations, tiny and incremental. Innovation mm. is realising that instead of driving the same way to work every day, mm. there's actually a quicker way. That's mm. innovation. You're saving yourself five minutes a day, you're mm. increasing your productivity. Mm. Innovation is having uh, running a business meeting and thinking at the end of it, you know, I reckon people were bored in that meeting. Mm. What can I do differently to make it a better experience? Yeah. And changing some things. Yeah. Um, in terms yeah. of failure, mm. uh, look, we're all scared of failure. No one likes to fail. It yeah. hurts. And I think I think what it is often is an excuse for people to label themselves non-innovative. Mm. Yeah, I tried that innovation stuff and I had an idea and it didn't work, so clearly I can't do it. That's yeah. just not true. Like every innovator in the world has failed more than they have mm. succeeded. Mm. Uh, I fail all the times at things. Yeah. And, and it's only by accepting that failure is a necessary part of the process, learning yeah. from it, yeah. taking what you can from that idea. There were yeah. some good things, but overall it didn't work. Yeah. Um and going again, that you're going to get to the idea. So there needs to be a tolerance for that. I mean, you, mm. if you look at sales, no company is going to go, you know, we've got 100 leads here, mm. but 90% of them are mm. going to turn into sales. So it's not mm. an mm. efficient process. Let's forget the whole sales thing. Mm. You know, there, yeah. there's a tolerance for failing 90% of the time and yeah. there's an acceptance that you put 100 in, you get 10 out. should be the same with innovation yeah. and new ideas. Create your own big bang and see your business idea come to life. Our online course, Start Your Own Business, helps you learn the basics in marketing, compliance, modelling and small business finances. As a bonus for our podcast listeners, you can use the code BIGBANG to access the Start Your Own Business course online for free at businesscentre.com.au. I'm just going to take a slight tangent. Uh, there's a lot of language as well, isn't there, around orthodoxy language, lexicon around startup ecosystems and pivoting and yep. you know all those sorts of things. And, and you were mentioning the other day how people were using language leveraging. You want to just <laughs> give us a sense of you know how people just words just seem to drop. I think pivoting is one. Well, yeah. I'm going to pivot, pivot, pivot. You know, yeah. or you know that that sort of stuff. Where did you? What was that example you spoke about? Uh, well, yeah, I, I was in a meeting a while ago and someone was using the word leveraging all the time. We're going to leverage this and leverage off your this and leverage into this. And after a while, I, all I heard 
you know, all I was doing in my mind was counting the amount of times he said leveraging. So, you know, I guess it's a, the point is that we have to be clear and robust in our language. Pivot, I think, is, is, is a good word and it's quite clear. Like I get a really clear visual image when I think about mm. pivoting. I think mm. I've got one leg in the same place, mm. like I'm still got the same core business, mm-hmm. but I'm moving the other leg around mm. and I'm trying to get into a position where I can change mm. things while still playing mm. to my strengths. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you, I, I think a general note is whenever anyone's using lots of jargon, or yeah. whenever you're speaking to anyone, use language that you're absolutely sure yeah. everyone in the room can understand. And, yeah. and if, you know, you know, eight people will understand all your jargon, but one person might not, just use ordinary English words instead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're better. probably better, Make particularly better. orally. Like, yes. like yes. jargon comes often in written English, but it just sounds weird when people say it. Mm. Okay, well, let, let just allow me to indulge a little bit in our next theme, uh, a little bit more esoterically around theory. So this question is about the economic theory of disruption, that Schumpterian theory. And I'm just going to read out what our friend Schumpter spoke to, and then maybe you can just reflect, make some comments about that. Okay, there's theory, but what what are your thoughts? So here's a quote from from him. He describes uh, innovation uh, or opportunity of it uh, as this. A gale of creative destruction describes the process of industrial mutation, that incessantly revolutionises the economic structure from within, incessantly destroying the old one, incessantly creating a new one. Schumpterian rents are earned by innovators and occur during the period of time between the introduction of innovation and its successful diffusion. Now, you must have in your time uh, on on the the show on TV, uh, the new inventors had seen the same idea being presented, but maybe mm. its time wasn't now or then. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Do you think that theory stands up, that there, mm. that, that, that there is destruction and, and, and there is opportunity through, through, you know, through economic processes and cycles? Yeah, I do. I, I, to a degree. I, I mean, it sounds, the way he describes it, pretty terrifying. It sounds like a hurricane <laughs> blowing, you know, blowing through and destroying the he was he, he was Austrian. He was Austrian. <laughs> but I think that's kind of happening at various speeds all the time. Sometimes it's kind of happening in slow motion, but, mm. but, uh, but you know, I guess one of the latest revolutions has been the online revolution in the mm. last mm. 20 or so years. And mm. companies that have accepted that that is the way they can do business uh, mm. and, and reached out to clients online and via social media and mm. done that early certainly mm. have an advantage mm. on other organisations that think... I'm a bit unwilling, it's a bit scary, it's a bit new. Mm. And so whilst the image of a hurricane, you know, coming through and destroying the week, but but if you think about it, mm. if some companies get an advantage and then something difficult happens like the GFC or yep. COVID or, or whatever, mm. some of those companies that are, that are dragging their feet mm. are going to struggle and they might be the ones mm. that, that, that go under. I mean, always the guesswork is okay, there's a new thing, mm-hmm. it's social media, there's a new thing. Mm. It's Remember when, when online shopping was going to be the new yep. thing from yep. Woolies and Coles? Yep. And, and David Jones was suffering because they weren't doing it and so yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. and then that didn't really happen. People, mm. I mean, some people get their groceries delivered. And then but, Kogan arrived. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Blew it up. Yeah. Mm. Um, so what does it mean? It, it, it means that you have to be aware of mm. what's out there and you can only do that mm. if you kind of are spending a bit of time on your continuing education. Mm. And luckily that these days it doesn't mean enrolling in a course. It just mm. means 
you know, putting in some keywords into Google and browsing. Mm. If you work in retail, you know, innovative trends retail. Yeah. And just seeing which ones you think might be relevant and helpful mm. to you. They're not all going to mm. take over, but, but some are going to some are going to help. Like, for example, mm. you know, when social media became a thing, everyone was saying, everyone's got to have a social media account. Well, the last thing I want to do is follow my hardware store on social media. No. Like, I couldn't give a stuff. No, about, not, about, not really. About, so it's not for everyone. It doesn't benefit every business. No. Okay. Hmm. Now, you, one of the disruptions you speak of when you talk about the new inventors, at that time, you, you talk about a theme of uh, there being a drought and a lot yes. of ideas were coming through yes. about water, but there was one particular that you often refer to, which mm. I think was quite unique and so obvious, as you say, in our face. Do you want to just give us a, a, yeah. sense, a sense of that one? Yeah. Well, you you all uh, you all turn on hot water taps, right? And the mm. first thing you do when you turn on a hot water tap is wait, watch water go down the sink, mm. even if there's a drought, mm. even if there's water restrictions, because you think there's no option. Mm. I want hot water, and what I'm getting is cold water from the pipe, so I have to wait till it's hot. Um, but, and you don't think you're wasting water. So we had an inventor on called Lloyd Linson Smith back mm-hmm. in about mm-hmm. 2005. Yeah. And Lloyd turned on a hot water tap one day and he thought, I'm wasting water. He saw an opportunity. Mm. He built a thermostat into the pipe, measures the temperature of the water. You turn on a hot water tap, any water below a certain temperature uh, goes off to a little holding tank beneath your sink. So you turn on the hot water, mm. nothing comes out till this hot water. The next time you turn on the cold tap, the cold water you just save comes out of that. Mm. What was amazing is that 20 million of us were doing that every day. None of us saw what he saw. So he had fresh eyes and he was old, but you know, Mm. he's in his 60s or 70s at the time. Mm. He he somehow saw it afresh. And that was one of the inventions that made me think, how did he see that? And if I missed that, what else am I missing? And how can I learn to see it? How can so, we all learn to see those opportunities? And I guess another conclusion that you arrived at as well through that and through many of the other works that you've done is there is no particular person, style, intellect that is an innovator or an entrepreneur, is there? It's, yeah, it's I, a- I must think the most important message I have is anyone can innovate. And, mm. and I can prove that in... Mm. Three ways. The first way is that mm. on the new inventors, we had over a thousand innovators. They weren't all super smart. They mm. weren't all super creative. Mm. They weren't the sort of person, uh, most of them weren't the sort of person who you'd have a two minute talk to and go, well, I bet they're going to come up with creative. <laughs> Some were, but lots weren't. The second bit of proof is mm. I, I run workshops where yeah. I get people to identify something in their business that isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. And then I give them four minutes to think of an idea to improve it by at least a bit. And I've run those workshops with thousands of people. I've never had one person who at the end of four minutes hasn't come up with something. So we don't innovate uh, because we can't. We innovate because we put it off, because there's things that are more urgent, because we don't have to. Mm. When we're backed into a corner, we can. And the proof of that Mm. is what happened in March this year when COVID came. Every business in Australia had to innovate. They had to think, what are we doing? What can we keep doing? What are we mm. not allowed to do? How are we going to work? How are we going to communicate? How are we going to offer services and products to clients mm. and customers? And everyone was innovative. Everyone changed. Mm. Okay. So we can all do it. Yeah, we just And we should do it more. Do you have a business idea, but you're not sure it'll work? We have small business toolboxes and expert business advisors to support and guide you through your startup process. Contact us via our website to find out how. Businesscentre.com.au. 
All right, we're getting to our last question, then I'm going to wrap up. But the last question, I guess, is more around, so assuming there is opportunities for SMEs right now in this current crisis to build a solution to improve a user experience, from your own experience and, 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 and the things that, or the lessons that you've learned, what do you think are the essentials of, of getting things right at the moment, you know, to get, to get an idea off the ground, to, to make that change? And mm. I know you've got a framework for this. And towards the end, I'm just going to ask you to give us a couple of tips, but I just want you really to walk through, yeah. you know, what do you, what do you thought, what are your learned lessons that, that people could apply now? Yeah. So now is it particularly, I mean, it's always scary to start something new, uh, whether you're doing a startup or you're, you're starting a new idea in your organisation. Um, there is, you know, a great body of thought that suggests that the time to be innovative is not when you're prosperous, it's, it's when there are difficult times. Mm. It's the time to mm. set yourself up for the future. The first and most important thing mm. is to have an idea. And you, you don't have ideas. Sometimes you have ideas just without trying, mm. but usually you have ideas when you, when you look and see opportunities, you think our companies, our marketing's not very good or, or you know, customers are unhappy with this. Or, or if you're starting a startup, you know, you're working in an industry and your farmers always complain about this or, mm. or business owners, they always complain about this. So mm. there's a problem, can mm. I solve it? But then you really need to think and you need to feel frustrated and stupid and bored because you haven't had a good idea and you need to continue to think mm. even when you feel like that mm. and keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it until you get something. You know, mm. I often write, I, I write novels and, mm. and I get stuck all the time yeah. and I feel like giving up. Yep. But then if you just keep wrestling with it, you always find something. Yeah. You know, you always find something. Mm. Uh, so the first thing is the idea. Then value your idea. Be, be kind to it. Like yeah. often people, <laughs> the first thing they do when they have a new idea is try and kick it to death. Mm. Uh, they think, well, oh, someone else would have had it if it was any good and there's probably a problem here, there's probably a problem there. It's not really fair. Mm. You know, it's like fighting a, uh, you know, it's like a, a lion cub wrestling its baby. You know, yeah. it's not a fair fight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've got to get the idea as good as it can be before you judge it. Be nice mm. to it. Mm. You know, just try and grow it. And get it as robust as it can. Mm. That doesn't mean to take all that long, mm. but don't judge it until you do that because it's, it's not fair. You've got, mm. you've got to let the idea mm. be as good as it can be. Mm. And that involves taking the idea out of the perfect world between your ears and exposing it to the real world. Yes. And sometimes that, that's very scary. Like yeah. in an organization, you might think, yeah. oh my God, that's 28 things I've got to do before yeah. I can get this. I can't tell them that's an ugly baby. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> and so you don't think about that. All you got to do is focus on the next thing. Yeah. If you have a new idea, just ask yourself, what's the next thing? Okay, the next thing is to draw a flowchart. The next thing is to ask, you know, Barry over there, because Barry knows this about this aspect of it and I don't. Mm. Or the next thing is to do a bit more research. Or the mm. next thing is to pitch it to my boss or whatever. Mm. Just do the next thing. And after the next thing, you might find, well, actually, this is a bad idea. It's not going to work. Mm. Then you don't have to worry about the next 26 steps. Mm. But you also might find, okay, we're still alive here. Mm. Um, and then you continue on just one foot in front of the other uh you know hoping that it'll hoping that it'll 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 come to life and, and be a thing be something you can implement into your business or be the core of a new business yeah. but also not tying your ego to it mm. so if you have this idea and after mm. step five you find it's not going to work mm. then the conclusion is that idea didn't work the conclusion isn't i'm worthless mm. 
Mm. And, and that's pretty hard at first, actually, because we all, yeah. you know, whether we're, you know, we're interested in dance or writing or gardening, you have a failure, and there is a tendency to mm. see it as a judgment on yourself. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So to just take those steps and uh, and do do the work. Mm. Yeah, and it's exciting and interesting work. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, one of the ones that we reflected on in this time is this way that we all jump in a car and drive into a city. <laughs> and, and you had some observations on that. And I'm, I guess that's going to be one for this period. What do we do yeah. about our work, the working from home, not working from home, going to an office? Do I need an office? Do I need all these mm. square meters? Yeah. The interesting thing about it is a lot of big companies are questioning all that now. Mm. Uh, and they're surveying their people mm. and trying to make an assessment of how effective the period when they've been working at home is. And I know at least one very big Australian company has said, you know, people have been pretty productive. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, a lot of them have really enjoyed it. Some mm-hmm. of them prefer the office, but a lot of them prefer being at home. Mm-hmm. They've saved a heck of a lot of time of mm-hmm. commuting. That's mm-hmm. often dead time, you know, mm-hmm. useless time. And they are communicating pretty well. Everyone's getting used to Zoom and mm-hmm. in some ways it's better. Um, in some ways, it's not as good. Mm. And then they're kind of looking at them sort of saying, why, given that we've had this technology to allow people to work remotely for years, mm. why have we still been insisting that they come in to work on the 26th floor of a building mm. uh, in the middle of the CBD at exactly the same time as mm. everyone else mm. is making that commute? Mm. And they're scratching their head. Now, that tells us two things. Firstly, that they're at least now flexible enough to question the established orthodoxy. Mm. And I think you will see a lot of really big, well-known Australian companies Mm. not go back to, in inverted commas, normal, but be more flexible. Mm. But it also tells us that, you know, why did it take a crisis Mm. to make Mm. them do this stuff Mm. that they could have done in 2017 or or, or to an extent in 2010? And I suppose that makes you think about the orthodoxy of prevailing cultures. Yes. And and I guess the other thing is, what are all the other things, like remote learning, that COVID hasn't made us question, mm. but that we should question? Mm. So mm. that's an exciting thing too. One of the the interesting dynamics of this time that we as a work group uh, have, have been wrestling with, and, and our CFA came up with a really good, I thought, you know, idea, and that is we lose in this, we've just spoken about going into the office or going into the workplace and, and, and the social cohesion of that and the social yeah. capital uh, and the improvements and things are talked through and understood and communicated better. But he came up with the idea that in gamers' world, people can be in the game, playing the game intently in the game, but they're all talking to each other during it. And he said, we, we almost like you need a constant open radio channel mm. to your workplace where – you can hear someone shouting, oh, it's Jono's birthday tomorrow or Lucy's going to be in late. Oh, no, she didn't do that. So we, we have, in doing this, we've lost a little bit and people are using Slack or they're using Monday or they're using Teams, whatever it might be, but we will lose a little as well, won't we, in terms yeah, of definitely. connectivity? definitely. I mean, people are different and I'm less of a fan than that than mm. some people. I, I like to be um, <laughs> kind of left alone. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm working, but but that that sort of informal sharing of ideas and collaboration and bumping into people is mm-hmm. is is very important. Mm-hmm. So so perhaps you know the model is to, you know, for some people might be three days working remotely at home, and mm-hmm. you ensure that those days are loaded with 
mm. tasks that you need concentration, solitary yeah. concentration for, like mm. uh, writing mm. reports and doing your yeah. innovation thinking and mm. and lots of other things and maybe some one-on-one Zoom meetings and, and, yeah. and that sort of thing. And other two days where, you know, perhaps we're smart enough to deliberately leave those two days in the office a little bit loose and so there is lots of time mm. for that informal social collaboration and mm. idea sharing and mm. i think you know there, there can be some design done actually on what is the ideal environment if we're trying yes. to get five days of informal yes. social sharing and collaboration in only two days yes how do we design those days to yeah. ensure that that happens yeah. and it could be something like you know your even something as simple as office design that ensures that most people when they go to the bathroom or go and get a coffee or go and meet with the person they meet with the most mm. have to walk right through the office not mm-hmm. just to the room next door to them. <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean yeah. or designing little things that because when you're in the office five days, those things will probably happen. Yes. But two days, they have to happen more intensely. Yeah, so we, we are going to have to rethink it all, aren't we? Yeah. If you're enjoying our podcast today, make sure you rate and review Business Big Bang Theory through iTunes and follow and share us on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn at The Business Centre. We're getting towards the end, James, and you've been very kind with your time. Um, I know your book, uh, James O'Loughlin, Innovation is a State of Mind, Simple Strategies to Be More Innovative in What We what we Do um, or What You Do, published by Wiley. So that's available on Amazon. Thank that's you. where I got it from. Yeah. Um, and a great, I think, tool uh, that people can implement exactly. It's not all theory. It's practice and it's, it's, it's based on case studies and actual examples. So uh, we, we've, we've loved it uh, at work and I've, I've loved reading it. So... Let's distill that down. Can you give me a top tip for innovation or, you know, maybe not one, but just just round us off with yeah. what would be your top tip for, to be innovative, to innovate? Make it a habit. Mm. Uh, don't have good intentions that lead to nothing because there'll always be stuff that's more urgent. Mm. Um, I, I recommend companies make innovation a KPI for all mm. their people mm. because if things aren't KPIs and we know we're not accountable for them, then, mm. yeah, yeah, I'll do that, but... Firstly, I'll deal with all the things that are my KPIs because mm. that's what I'm going to be uh, targeted on if I, if I don't hit them. So I, I suggest companies say, and you can do this to yourself really, mm. you've got to have one idea a month. Mm. So it doesn't have to be a good idea. It doesn't have to work. But once a month, you've got to walk into my office and in two minutes or less, pitch me an idea. Mm. That is, there's this system isn't working as well as it could. Mm. We've had a number of customers complain about it. I, I listen to their complaints and I think we could improve it by doing this. Yeah. And what I want to happen next is for you to uh, get Chris and Alex mm. to uh, give me an hour of their time and mm. we can work it up. Mm. Um, just something like that. Yeah. Uh, don't label yourself as non-innovative. So many people do that. Mm. Yeah, make it a habit, five minutes a day and just try it for, mm. for this week. Mm. So I'm going to spend five minutes a day and the first step is to identify things in your business that aren't perfect. Right? There's, no one ever has trouble doing that. Yep. Second step is to pick one of them. Third step is to ask yourself, how can I make this a little bit better? Don't intimidate yourself by saying, how can I make this perfect? Mm. Say, how can I go from where we are to somewhere a little bit better? Mm. And you, you can usually think of something like that. Mm. And then be you know go through and put, put flesh on the bones of your idea. Yep. When you have to pitch it to someone, here's a quick tip, 
Do the maths. What I mean by yes, that is yes. don't walk into your boss's office and say, hey, I had this cool idea and, well, I think it kind of might work because mm. they're going to be, you know, backing out of the room. Um, if you do the maths, if you say, look, this system is not working optimally, we've had eight customer complaints about it. Mm. Uh, I think we could improve it by doing this and I've worked out that the cost of implementing this new system will be $2,000 mm. and this year we'll save uh, it, it'll make the system 15% faster, which means we'll save $3,000 worth of time. Mm. Then you ask them a really simple question that only has one answer. So mm. do you want to save $1,000? Mm. And there's only one answer to that. Mm. So mm. if you do the math and, and make it really hard, easy for them to say yes or mm. hard for them to say no, mm. that can uh, mm. prevent a lot of frustration. Yeah, I think that's a good insight. And so often what we do, we backward map from the... Yeah. From you know, where where is this thing going, and and yeah. you know how are you going to put it together? Good idea, but let's let's backward map from the actual outcome, the the, the, the provision of, of value that it provides. You know, yeah. talk to us about that rather than just that it's a good idea. Yeah, and and for startups, mm. I reckon mm. a, a couple of good things are mm. be excited by your idea. Like you're mm. taking an idea mm. that you had in mm. your head mm. and trying to make it a business. Like what an adventure! Mm. You know that is exciting. Mm. All the innovators I've met. Have had the light on in their eyes. You know, you, yeah. sometimes you meet people who don't yeah. have the light on. Yeah. Uh, they have yeah. the light on, so that's exciting. And then get real hard headed about it, mm. and ensure that there's a lot of support out there. Mm. Uh, most, uh, lots of people in startups will give you the advice: seek support early. And the business center, you guys mm. are always mm. full of you got great contacts and you mm. give great advice, and mm. you really know your stuff, and you bring. You know, if if I'm an expert in uh, in uh, a new type of gardening, mm. and I think this new tool could be great, but I know nothing about business, mm. you guys are fantastic at providing a structured approach to that. Mm. And, of course, the last bit of advice is, <laughs> is beware of financial jeopardy and, and yes. see what you can do that yes. doesn't put you in a position where this better work or I'm stuffed. Yeah. That's always terrifying. Very practical. Okay, James, uh, we'd like to thank you very much. Uh, thank and, you, Steve. Yeah, you we, were great. No, we love we love having you up here and we love having you part of our innovation ecosystem. There we mm. go. I've got ecosystem in. I can tick that one off. Great. Wank word, bingo. All right, people, uh, I guess, need to be prepared to innovate and should be conscious of the opportunity, but also the danger that's inherent during periods of historical destruction. But they don't last forever. And these early rents that, that, that we talk to, they don't last forever. Change is caught up with and people jump into the market. So beyond the pandemic, beyond disruption and crisis, uh, I guess we're seeing the emergence of new products and models and services. Um, I'm, I, I, I drove to here today to talk to you and, I, and your example about the coffee lineups. I'm, I'm, see, it's in my head now. People standing around, everyone waiting for coffee. What yeah. can we do for those people? I know. <laughs> okay, if you want if to find it. Yeah, if yeah, anyone needs yeah, to, there's yeah. a huge opportunity for innovation, <laughs> yes. reducing the time yes. that people wait for coffee yeah. Uh, in cafes every morning. Yeah. And it's either reducing the time or it's making them not care that they're waiting five minutes. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. Reduce the time or make it fun. You got me on it. All right, if you want to find out more about the Business Centre, go to Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter or Google us and you can get in touch with us and please... Can I give you another one? Yes, please. This H is a problem in. that needs to be solved. Yeah. I don't know how many people like me. Yeah. I get most of my bills by email yeah. but there's a couple I yeah. still get in yeah. the mail. Yeah. And I always think... I should swap this over. And sometimes I even start. Yeah. And then after about two steps, there's something really cumbersome I've got to do. Mm. And I think, oh, I don't have time for this. Next and time. so yeah. three years later, 
Who can design a system that will allow electricity companies, phone companies, gas companies, everyone else that sends us bills to somehow prompt everyone to swap over? Because that'll save... Uh, Think of the productivity, the Mm. money, the Mm. paper, Mm. the uh, everything that that'll solve um, and make everything quicker. But who can actually think of a system to make all those uh, recalcitrant people like me swap their last few bills? Maybe it's a QR code. Maybe that could do. Maybe it. could yeah. be all right. So no equity. You know, you want any equity in that? Someone comes up I'll with it. it just, he's just giving it out there. I mean, I'd like some. But, yeah. <laughs> all right. Fine. I'd also like to thank Mel Sargent, the team at Newcastle Podcast Station, who provide the podcast expertise and technology behind our podcasts and our podcast partners. And lastly, I'd like to sign off Steve Waite from the Business Centre, and once again thank James for his time and his insights and get hold of that book. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks, Steve. See you, James. Thanks for listening to the Business Big Bang Theory podcast. Do you know someone we should talk to? Do you have an idea for a topic we should cover? Or would you like to be featured on an upcoming show? Get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email with podcast as the subject line to info at businesscentre.com.au.